Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning. Good morning. The President of the United States asked all Americans yesterday to seek unity. I am, of course, referring to now President Joe Biden. And so um, I am compelled to ask the question, what do we as Christians bring to that conversation? We have been asked by the person who now sits at the head of the executive branch of our government, notably um, or arguably the most powerful position in the world today. And we have been asked by that president to seek unity, to express unity, to live in unity. So what do we as Christians bring to that conversation? What is the common ground upon which we can stand, from which we can work for the common good? Where are there points of agreement where we might work together? And where are there points of disagreement where because we are Christians, um, and although we will certainly behave with civility and grace, um, there would be things that we could not uh, concede. So as Christians, we experience a unity that is unknown to the world, and that is where I want to begin today uh, in the where in the world where in the word conversation that we have on an ongoing basis here. On Mornings with Carmen, I want you to consider today what the Bible says about the kind of unity that we experience in the body of Christ with fellow believers. The unity that Jesus prayed would be a demonstration of God's presence and power uh, in the world, uh, so much so that the world would find it undeniable and irresistible. I'm, I'm of course, referring to Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, picking up at verse 20, where Jesus is praying to the Father, I do not ask for these only, referring to the disciples uh, in, in his presence right then, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, and so you and me, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so the world may believe you have sent me. The glory you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Jesus is clearly praying for the kind of unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace that Christians enjoy or intended to enjoy with one another, but that is a unity unknown to the world. It is only accessible through a redeemed relationship with the Father, through the Son, by the power of the Spirit. It's the kind of relationship expressed in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. No one said that any of the things belonged uh, to him alone or were his own, but they held everything in common. Romans 12, Paul is appealing, uh, he does so on multiple occasions, to the theology of what we would call the theology of the body. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members 
uh, do, uh, do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. That's the kind of unity of spirit and bond of peace we are to enjoy with one another as fellow believers in Jesus. So I hope that in reading these verses, you hear and understand that the unity spoken of uh, among fellow believers is a unity that is among Christians. And therein lies the challenge I believe we face in the world right now, no matter who is in the Oval Office. Christians uh, experience a unity with one another that the world does not share. And so as people who are one with Christ— one in Christ, one with each other in ways the world cannot comprehend, how then do we engage in a conversation about the kind of unity that might be appealed for uh, in a nation like the United States today? Those would be the questions I think we must ask, the conversations we must have, um, and the considerations we must we must make. Um, so let us... Uh, let us commit mutually to look for the answers to those questions. How do we live as people who are ultimately citizens of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, in the midst of the kingdoms of this world, where we will experience a very different kind of unity than the one um, we know in Christ? All right, Ben Johnson from the Acton Institute waiting in the wings. We're going to survey some of the headlines of the day. We'll be right back. This is my right, a right given by God, to live a free life, to live in freedom. Ben Johnson joins me now. You can find him at the Acton Institute, A-C-T-O-N dot O-R-G. Ben, welcome back. Good morning. Thank you. It's a whole new day. It is, thank goodness, uh, better than this time last week for me. <laughs> right, never been right. so sick for so long. So well, I, we're I so glad your, you're feeling better. I want to thank your listeners for their prayers. Thank you. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, let's talk about prayers, prayers, songs, spiritual songs, scripture references. Um, I, I was a little bit struck yesterday by um, how generous the secular media was, um, of the positive tones that they struck. Uh, related to each and every very um, uh, very open expression of faith by not only the incoming president but um, but others uh, surrounding the events yesterday, I'm wondering what stood out to you in terms of the inauguration and the spiritual themes. Well, you know, I, I thought I'm very glad that uh, the president had to um, incorporate some various themes from the scriptures. He's in the past he's quoted hymns that are important to to him from his tradition. Uh, he quoted uh, the Bible in his inauguration that uh, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Uh, that was part of his unity speech. I, I really thought that stood out, uh, as well as, of course, the uh, I'm, I'm not much on poet laureates and uh, the general kind of slam poetry that is done at these events every four years. Uh, generally, I think that the, the Office of Poet Laureate ought to be done away, but uh, there was a, a poem by I believe her name was Amanda Gorman, who uh, sort of referenced Micah 4.4, which, uh, by the way, was the favorite verse of George Washington. They asked him what uh, what life should be like in uh, the ideal new republic that he wanted to found, and he said, everyone will sit under his own vine and his own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid. So that's that's his idea of government. 
it's good to hear that echo coming back through the years. And then the the benediction from the AME pastor from uh, Wilmington, Delaware, uh, I thought hit all of the right chords. So uh, a lot of good notes there. And and uh, seeing Joe Biden's pretty hefty five inch thick family Bible, uh, I thought that was uh, that was a good and an inspirational point of view uh, for the fact that. He'd mentioned that the family Bible has been passed down. His family history is written in it. Like so many of our listeners, families have handed down a Bible and they'll write down important events in their lives in there. And that's to show that we're our whole life is bound up with the scriptures, that once we are believers, we're incorporated into the body of Christ. We become the sons and daughters of Abraham and sons and daughters of the God Most High. I, uh, I would echo all of that, and I would um, also encourage listeners to celebrate those things that can be celebrated. Let's not just be the people who pick out the pepper. Let's be the people who recognize that um, God uh, has ways of salting um, even the most civil or secular of events. And so don't lose sight of uh, Garth Brooks singing Amazing Grace. Don't lose sight of uh, the hymns and songs sung the night before uh, around the reflecting pool. Um it just there are opportunities for us to point to uh, places and spaces where God is making him his presence felt and known and declared um, through through even well what, what I would call uh, civil religion civic religion. Um, and, all right, say, one aspect that I thought was very important is that uh, these they'll, they'll reach people that you and I won't. If you and I quote uh, that same verse, we won't have the same platform. We won't have the same audience. And frankly, people won't give it the same credence as if the president of the United States is quoting scripture. So I think that that can open a lot of doors spiritually and open the door for revival, even if that's not necessarily what uh, was intended by this form of civil religion. Amen. Amen and amen. Those are going to be the things I am going to be looking for and celebrating. Um, Where are there evidences of light shining? Where are there um, places and spaces to which we can positively point where God is making his presence known and drawing people unto himself in ways that, um, that frankly, you know, they're not listening right now to Mornings with Carmen. Like this is, they're not tuned in to Christian radio. They're not tuned into Christ. And so who is going to reach them? How are they going to be reached? And, uh, and let's look for the places and spaces where we can shine a light uh, on, those, on those moments that we can amplify them uh, and pray for God's will be done in this generation. All right, Ben Johnson and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, uh, conservatives, particularly Republicans, and the need to return to roots and what that might look like. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Together. Continuing my conversation with Ben Johnson from the Acton Institute. You can find what Ben is writing at actonacton.org. Um, ben, let's talk a little bit about uh, we are post-Trump in terms of the presidency. Um, is the Republican Party post-Trump? And what do conservatives maybe need to be considering in terms of, um, well, strengthening the foundation or returning to core uh, core principles? Yeah, I I hear a lot of discussion about the post-Trump GOP, and I think that it's misguided, quite candidly. I don't think that there is a post-Trump GOP. I think the Trump family will see to it uh, that there won't be. Donald Trump, of course, had the highest rating of a Republican president among Republicans of anyone, including Ronald Reagan. 
Uh, he had a higher rating than George W. Bush. Uh, and even to this day, I, I think something like six out of 10 Republicans say that they want the next president, if he is not Donald Trump, to be very much like Donald Trump. Uh, and the reason for Trump's popularity, of course, part of it's from his, the fact that he's a pop culture figure from The Apprentice. But generally, it's not because he is so charismatic or, or outgoing or had such positive publicity for most of his career. Simply the fact that he was saying things that a lot of, a lot of people believed in to begin with. Uh, there are certain things that uh, going forward, if Donald Trump is is not impeached and barred from running from office, uh, which I don't believe that uh, he will be because you need two thirds of uh, the Senate, then I think that you're going to end up with uh, Donald Trump running again in 2024 or Don Jr. Uh, running for president. He's talking about, in the meantime, creating a social media platform, possibly creating a third party called the Patriot Party. Uh, so you're going to have the civil war within the GOP. I think there are certain things that we need to keep from what Donald Trump did and certain things we need to jettison. Uh, the things we need to keep are his outstanding patriotism from his speech in Warsaw to the 1776 commission report that came out this week, teaching about the glories of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, uh, the fact that the tragic portions of our history are in spite of our form of government, not because of it. Uh, he, the fact that he kept his promises to pro-life and evangelical voters, that's a precedent some Republicans could stand to repeat. Uh, we've been strung along for years upon years. Usually it's a, a, an occasional judicial appointment. Maybe they'll reinstate the Mexico City policy, but very little else takes place uh, of the many, many things that we've been promised. One of the things we should keep is the list of Supreme Court justice appointees uh, and his opposition to foreign wars and his commitment to common people. You know, I thought the most powerful political moments of 2020 were speeches at the Republican National Convention delivered by people like David Dorn's widow and other ordinary people. We don't need these endless germy ads by you know, the junior senator from uh, North Carolina or some such. These common people do a much better and much more effective job. So those are worth keeping. Things we need to get rid of, obviously, are the nepotism. Undoubtedly, his worst advisor was his son-in-law, Jared Kushner. Uh, his general uh, nepotism for his family overall, uh, I think, clouded and distorted the White House. Uh, he is not a great communicator. Although he's great on Twitter and obviously can rile up a crowd, when it came to understanding issues and speaking about issues, he couldn't convince people. He talked as though everyone already understood what he meant, and he simply emoted from there. Uh, and when people are watching the media's distorted coverage, which we talk about on this program, as president, you have to use the bully pulpit, not just to be a bully, but to convert people. Uh, the petty fights on Twitter about crowd sizes and who got the highest ratings on The Apprentice, Obviously, that should go. And the, the disregard for fiscal restraint. Uh, this was the freest spending president in history. He has absolutely no interest in reform. He has a general hostility to reforming unsustainable programs in the federal government and a generally very little interest in constitutional limitations on power. So all of those sorts of things are things that need to go. But uh, you're going to see the Trump family and the Trump brand stay along as long as they are not impeached or imprisoned. It's going to be an interesting four years. So one of the things that you just did, um, Ben, that I think is uh, is a lesson to each of us and all of us, um, you're able to look at an individual, the things that they said they were going to do, the things that they then subsequently said and subsequently did, and you are actually able to see and to sort out the things that align with your expectations, your worldview, 
your theology and um, your political uh, convictions. And you are able then to also soberly judge the places and spaces where their words and deeds were not aligned with your theology and or your political convictions. That is, well, um, well I, I just, that is training for everyone listening. That's training for each of us and all of us. Um, no one is perfect. I mean, save for Jesus, and he's not running for office. So, no, I mean, we are never going to have an individual um, in this lifetime that we can, uh, that we can say, there is absolutely 100% nothing ever I could criticize about this individual, what they have said or done. And on the flip side, there is there is no individual who just is is all so bad, so dark and so dirty that I could never find a nice thing to say about them. Like you have demonstrated, I think, the way we must approach the conversations of the day in terms of um, sober judgment related to those uh, in elected positions of leadership. Well, I appreciate that very much. It comes from years of disappointment of buying into the rhetoric and then seeing how people <laughs> fall short. So, you know, people will, will talk about their deep faith and so on. And and quite often it's very legitimate. You know, I, I don't say this a lot, but I actually met Joe Biden several years ago at a veterans event. And he is exactly in person the way that he comes across on television. He's gregarious. He's outgoing. He's good natured. He's a lot of fun to be around. And from what I can tell, he is someone who takes his faith very seriously, at least when it comes to his private commitments. When it comes to his political posture, though, uh, he is he is well off the mark. If you're if you're a Catholic who's prosecuting nuns, you're probably falling short of, of where you need to be. So, you know, Biden is someone that I, I you know, have met and enjoyed quite a bit uh, getting to meet. But uh, he's someone whose policies where he has something that we can cooperate with, trying to open opportunity, for example, we need to move with him and work with him. And uh, in those areas where we find ourselves having to disagree with him, then uh, we will we will do so. But uh, we don't relish uh, the fact that we're in for a fight. We're simply standing up for our principles and we'll do the same for people on our own side. And if we don't, then uh, we as the citizens have to stand up and say our principles, here are our principles, and force the politicians to come to us rather than having them drag us along uh, down to the lowest common denominator, which is how we end up in these sorts of food fights uh, year in and year out with political theater and no real progress on the things that are important to us and to the kingdom of God. We have before us this week, I think, an opportunity to uh, to do exactly what you are demonstrating. Um, so Joe Biden holds himself out to be a Christian. That's how he understands himself. It's how he self-describes. Uh, he has practices that are Roman Catholic. He has a family Bible. He placed his hand on it yesterday, uh, and he referenced God on many occasions. We are also in the midst of um, what is uh, supposed to be the week when we celebrate life and the defense of it. This is uh, this is the week when many of us in the past have traveled to Washington, D.C. to bear witness um, to the grief that we experience over the millions of babies whose lives have been uh, taken by abortion in this country since the Supreme Court's decision in Roe v. Wade. Uh, we have in the person of the now president uh, a person who is Roman Catholic and therefore should be should be pro-life on this issue and yet is decidedly not um, and received a scathing scathing letter yesterday um, from the Catholic bishops condemning him for such. And so I, I do think that I'm trying to affirm what Ben is saying. And if you're listening right now and you're 
you're you're texting me, you know, we got we got to be pointing out the hypocrisy of Joe Biden. Let us also remember that if we're going to be the people who now point out the hypocrisy of Joe Biden, we better be prepared to go back and point out the hypocrisy of the prior president. Like we cannot swing this axe in one direction. We have got to be people who have sober judgment about the reality that whoever holds this position in our nation, you know, be they a person who professes to be an evangelical Christian, be they a person who professes to be a Catholic Christian, um, if they are not genuinely upholding um, the positions that that we would say Jesus leads us to affirm, then we have to be people with sober judgment who say, in these places, in these spaces, this is a person whose uh, words and deeds line up with what I understand to be uh, redemptive, gospel, biblical, Christian positions. And in these ways, they don't line up. And I don't have the expectation that anyone is going to line up perfectly because Jesus is never in that office. Yeah. Put not your trust in princes and sons of men in whom there is no salvation. Just put our trust in Christ and then remember that we are flawed individuals, electing flawed individuals, but we're here to try and advance an agenda one that uh, corresponds with reason and revelation, that uh, is in alignment with the Word of God. And if we approach things that way and do our best to advance principles instead of people, I think we'll get a lot farther. Amen. Amen. All right, we got to leave it right there. Um, although uh, Ben has got some stuff posted at the blog, blog.acton.org, that you should absolutely uh, be reading. And so, um, Ben, thank you again for joining us for the conversations we have week in and week out about things that matter. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. How do you self-describe? What do you lead with? January is Anti-Human Trafficking Awareness Month or Prevention Month or Intervention Month. Uh, It's the month during which we as Christians turn our attention to the plight of the tens of millions of people around the world um, who are uh, experiencing modern-day slavery. How do we engage this issue? What do we say about it? How are our hearts turned um, toward this injustice in our generation? Well, my next guest you might expect would lead with, hey, I'm the lead singer of a really great band. But that's not what he leads with. He leads with uh, his advocacy on this issue. My next guest is what I will describe as a justice warrior, a a human dignity advocate. And he's pressing the full force of his life into securing the freedom of fellow, fellow image bearers who are held captive by human traffickers around the world. And yes, he uses music as a platform to win a hearing among emerging generations. He's joining us to provoke each of us and all of us to consider the role we play in the cause of freedom today. David Zach from Remedy Drive joins me next to talk about and invite us into the Exodus Road. I've met parents who post a list of rules on the fridge and expect kids to fall in line. But more often than not, that piece of paper does nothing more than annoy and embarrass the kids. And frankly, it doesn't work. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. In the teen years, nothing's more important than developing relationships between parents and kids because rules without a relationship 
causes rebellion. So here's what I suggest. Take time to get with your teen over breakfast or dinner or coffee and do it every week. You'll find this weekly get-together will be a place to share your own stories, even a place where your teen will talk about deeper concerns. You'll be surprised how rules take care of themselves once there's a relationship. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Check out his latest resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. me now. You might recognize his name from the band Remedy Drive, but I'm pretty sure that's not the way that he desires to be known. And so, David, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, It is great to have you here. You are um, an ordinary guy who is pressing the full force of his life into seeing that other human beings would be set free. Is that, uh, would that be a preferred way of hearing yourself described? Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I described you um, uh, to others as a justice warrior and a human dignity advocate uh, who uses music uh, as a platform to not only express the message, but reach into the hearts and minds of emerging generations. Talk with us about your mission and how um, and how you're walking that out in the reality of life today. So for the past seven and a half years, uh, We've partnered our band, Remedy Drive, with a counter-trafficking organization called the Exodus Road. And we're using um, our music to shine a light on slavery and injustice and to rally our community under the banner of freedom. Um, And then I go overseas with the Exodus Road to Asia, to Latin America, and we do undercover work. I spy on uh, criminal networks that are selling children against their will uh, in red light districts. Then we gather evidence and intelligence. Then we partner with authorities to make raids on the the mafias, the crime syndicates that are selling kids. That and hopefully, the goal would be that that results in freedom for these girls and boys, and so and a lot of times women too, but also dismantling the criminal networks and sending a message that somebody's watching, somebody's looking out. You know, David, um, I don't have the expectation that there probably are a lot of uh, of individuals right now who are listening to you and I have this conversation who are living in the circumstance that you describe. But there may be some. There may be someone right now um, with an earshot of this message who is in bondage, in very real bondage as as a slave who has been trafficked. And um, and we want to speak directly to you. You you are seen and we know um, that you're there. And we're not going to stop. We're not going to stop until you have been liberated and set free. Um, David, do you want to speak um, for a moment to that individual who's listening right now who thinks that no one is ever coming for them? I would say you're valuable. There's hope. There is a life that exists on the other side of this. Um, and there's people that, that care that are here waiting to help help you on your restoration journey. Uh, and I'm, I, I've met a lot of those people here in the United States and around the world. Let's talk a little bit about um, this, this music project that is uh, about to drop. Um, talk with me about Amage, uh, Amaga, mm-hmm. how do you pronounce it? 
Imago Amor. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's a little early. Imago Amor. <laughs> it's our third of three counter-trafficking albums in a trilogy of, of, of music. Ever since 2014, we've been writing music around this issue. And Imago Amor is uh, it's Latin and Spanish for the phrase, the image of love. And my dream is to uh, try to breathe, breathe a little bit of oxygen on that spark, that divine spark that we all have. Remind, reminding anybody that hears it that, that you're valuable, that someone that you don't necessarily see eye to eye with is also valuable and important and created in such a unique and intricate and fearful and wonderful way. Um, and uh, of course, it, 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 it carries the themes of the abolition movement, too. Talking with David Zach of Remedy Drive, we're talking about um, music. We're also talking about human liberation. Uh, we're talking about a music project, Imago Amor, uh, that is about to drop. Um, David, I can't, I cannot ever talk about this topic or this subject. We just, we just spoke earlier this week about what doctors and people in the medical profession can do. Um, to identify victims of human trafficking and and come alongside them, even just in the midst of a um, uh, of an office visit and those kinds of things. This is a topic that uh, I till the soil of um, throughout the year because this is uh, this is reality and it's not something that we can ever turn our attention away from um, because the darkness here is really dark. Can you just reflect personally um, on? Like, how do you live as a person of light and joy, knowing the depths of this darkness? Because you can't, you can't do this every moment of every day, like, or you would lose your ability to breathe. So talk with us a little bit about, about that. How do you live as a person of light and a person of joy, knowing what you know, having seen what you've seen, and knowing how many more people there are um, yet to be liberated? Well, there's 40 million people impacted by slavery on my watch and on your watch. Mm-hmm. More than any other time in human history. It was 10 million or so during the days of Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman. Um, but I, I, I have a responsibility to live my life with joy, to love my daughters and to dance with them, even though I hear the same song sometimes when I'm dancing at home with my girls that I've heard at the bars or the clubs uh, the nightclubs, the discotheques that I that I that I'm working in overseas, uh, and here's why: I think that we're designed. I don't think it. I know it. There is something that burns inside of your veins. There's a magnetism to this justice movement and justice movements in general that we're drawn to, and the the way that you are designed, it's woven into the very fabric of your soul. It's woven into your DNA strands. You have this longing to participate. I have a longing to participate in someone else's freedom. I have, I have a desire to be part of change, to be part of hope. And it's going to require, to satisfy that longing, it's, it's going to require a proximity to sorrow. It really is. There, there is something for you to do that was prepared before the foundations of the earth were fastened. And it has to do with becoming more like the design for humanity. And we see that exemplified in a man they called the man of sorrows who's acquainted with grief. So when, when I acquaint myself with this grief, when I, when I, when I s- sit down with a girl that's being sold against her will with the hopes that the evidence that I'm gathering will, will lead to her freedom, I'm going to carry that sorrow with me for a long time. 
And I'm okay with that because I don't think there's going to be the true sort of fulfilling, abundant joy that I would have otherwise. It's part of our design um, to acquaint ourselves with grief. Proximity to sorrow, that's a, um, that's a powerful um, recognition. The, this longing within us to contribute to the freedom of another human being, that is real. Um, it just, uh, you are, you're speaking to people's hearts, and I, I genuinely appreciate that. Hey, I'm going to continue this conversation in just a moment, talking with David Zach from Remedy Drive. Yes, we're talking about their brand new project, um, which is about to drop Imago Amor, A-M-O-R, for those of you who might be looking for it um, on the Googler. Um, But we're also talking about the passion and the mission behind their ministry, behind their music. And that is the battle, um, the battle of freedom for those 40 million individuals who on our watch are living in modern day slavery. We'll be right back. That is uh, the refrain of the title track from Image Amor, the project about to drop from Remedy Drive. We're talking with David Zach, whose voice you hear there. Yes, that's your voice. Yes, I might be making that up. It is, yeah. See, there you go. Um, Okay, so um, God gave you girls. I wrote that in my notes, and um, that's, uh, that's a sacred trust. Um, to be entrusted with with kids, with children, with the hearts and nurture of other uh, of other people, how has how is being a dad? Um, I mean, I, I just I, there has to be a bit of a haunting there uh, in relationship to the mission that you are on as well. Can you just reflect on that for a moment? There is haunting. There are there are moments that haunt me when I'm doing undercover work with the Exodus Road that I look back at, um, especially this last trip when I was in Thailand, there's, there's boys that we were part of rescuing that were my son's age. Now he's 15 and seeing them in that situation. And it, there's, it, there's a sorrow connected to it. And, and this, for, for me, it ha- it's all started with my daughter. I watched that, that documentary Coney 2012 and mm-hmm. She was only five, Ava, and and we're we're seeing a certain type of slavery where boys are forced into the slavery of warfare at at eight years old, at nine years old, and their sisters are forced to be the child brides of generals. And Ava says, "Dad, why not God protect those boys?" And I I I felt so helpless, knowing that I I have a little bit to do, but is it really going to matter in that moment? And it really pushed me over the edge into, um, you know, you played a little bit of our, our song all along. We went indie as, because of that moment with my daughter. We became an independent band because we wanted to, to, to focus specifically on this, uh, on this issue of slavery and injustice. And um, so she's, she's really a big part of it from the beginning. My other daughter, it was, it was rough telling her one time uh, when I came back, I was tucking her in. She said, Dad, when you're, when you're, looking for the guys that, um, sell girls, do you use a lightsaber like Anakin Skywalker? Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and I had to tell her no. And I'm, but for a while, I like it that my daughter imagined me in that context. And now they understand more now that they're older. But um, I hope I hope that uh, that they see this example of courage in their dad, and that it it moves them to be brave in their own way as they as they move into their lives. Um, what you're doing is um, is extraordinary, and yet I think you would describe yourself as an ordinary person. Um, and I want you to remind everybody out there who's thinking that is just so much more than I could ever do. Um, and and I think you're going to tell us that it's not, and that it's actually our responsibility. Like knowing what we know, um, seeing what we have seen, being aware of what we're aware of, it, it is unfaithful of us to fail to act. I would agree with you. And um, I don't know the repercussions of, of that unfaithfulness, but I know the repercussions of faithfulness are, like I said earlier, you were made for something. There was a good work that was prepared for you. That's the whole purpose of your faith is to participate with the creator as he continues to make things new. And this this broken thing can be made new. Uh uh, William Wilberforce, the abolitionist, said you can choose to look the other way, but you can never again say you did not know. And I think the biggest thing that would keep any of us from getting involved is that feeling that what I have to offer isn't isn't really that much. And that's how I felt. I, I, I got some songs. Maybe I'll write some songs. What is that really going to do, though? Um, and I've watched the waters part uh, like they did for Moses of old when he, when he led a million enslaved people to their freedom. I've, I've seen that in my own life. I've seen the magnetism of this cause. And I have the currency of my voice, and I'm going to invest the currency of my voice on the modern-day abolition movement, specifically with the Exodus Road. And there's a currency that you have that I don't have. We're, we're, we're using both of us, our microphones, as currency this morning, and, and the airwaves as currency. But everybody that's listening has five loaves of bread and two fish. In some way, when you bring that to the maker— He'll lift it up like he did and bless it and turn it into something, something remarkable. And so my, my challenge would be, what, what is the currency that you have? Your time, your art, your creativity, your moral capital, your political capital. You have something that's uniquely yours, your voice, your fingerprints. What are you going to spend it on? You're going to spend it on something. And I would, love, I would love to invite you into this movement with us in some way. Maybe it starts with a tweet. Maybe it starts with a fundraiser. Whatever it is, you can use what you already love doing and do it in the direction of freedom. See, that's very empowering um, to consider that people can use whatever they're already doing um, and use it uh, to leverage justice in the life of another person. Um, the invitation that you just issued is um, is simple and yet really, really profound. It's do the next do one thing. Do something. Don't yeah. do nothing. That's what I hear you saying. Um, do yeah. something. Don't do nothing. Um, and, you know, a, a, a tweet um, financially supporting somebody who is engaged directly in this kind of um, rescue mission, involving yourself, becoming educated, speaking out, talking to your pastor about having a sermon on this topic, doing a, uh, a small group Bible study, um, exposing yourself to the information that is available. And, you know, David and I will both tell you the darkness on this topic is dark. The darkness on this topic is dark. But we are people of light, and we don't run away from darkness. We, we shine a light into it and on it. 
um, that sin might be revealed and that people might be set free. That is the heart here. Um, David, Zach, thank you for what you're doing every single day. Thank you for uh, using the currency of music and your gifting as an artist uh, to to bring others not only to the point of awareness, but to help us um, learn to sing songs that um, bear light, genuinely bear light. Uh, and so we, we genuinely appreciate that. You guys can uh, find David Zach through Remedy Drive. You can find uh, the Exodus Road and all that they're doing online as well. And we want you to uh, check out the third uh, the third part of a trilogy, Imago Amor, uh, which is a project that is, is about to drop in just a couple of days. Hey, thank you, uh, David, so much for joining us today uh, and for be- being who you are in the kingdom advance of our generation. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. We'll be right back. They tried to take your name. You face the whirlwind. You taste the toxic rain. And you're still Okay, that man's life uh, that we just talked to, David Zach, you can tell that his life is saturated with the Word of God. Like, he, he, he speaks phrases that if you are a student of Scripture, you recognize as um, words that fell first from the mouth of Jesus. Um, imagine what God might do if your life were saturated with the Word of God and that when you encountered the darkness, what poured forth was light. And when the world squeezes you, which of course it does, what pours forth is grace and truth, that which filled Jesus to the brim. Um, Let's lead lives today that are saturated with the Word of God, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, enjoying together the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace that we have as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Let's lift one another up and let's do um, what David Zach has challenged us to do, which is use whatever the currency is uh, of our life and leverage it, leverage it for the kingdom advance that, uh, that other people might be set free with the freedom that we know not only in Jesus Christ, but the freedom that we know as people who walk in freedom. I want to encourage you to um, consider mobilizing today on behalf of those who are living in modern-day slavery. It is Human Trafficking Awareness Prevention and Intervention Month, and we are seeking to do our part. we got another hour up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.